Well, everybody, welcome to, I guess, season two, year two of Center Ice. My name is Mac Vincent, and with me, as always, is Matthew Maynard. And, I mean, first of all, what a fantastic offseason and playoffs for the NHL. I think, for me at least, there were storylines pretty much through the entire offseason. You know, of course, you had the rumors of, Where's Eric Carlson going? Is Eric Carlson going anywhere? Ovi winning a cup and going on a total bender for about two <laughs> months. <laughs> I mean, it really was one of the more memorable hockey seasons for myself that I can remember as a fan. There was so much going on. And yeah, my Leafs didn't do great. You know, they got knocked out early. But, you know, we're looking better. We're looking better now. And... uh we, of course, were very excited. Only one more sleep until the regular season starts. So that is awesome. We've missed hockey a lot. You know, you can only watch baseball and football well, yes. for so long. Especially with the uh, Blue Jays struggling this year. Oh, man. And it was uh, brutal. I think by... Uh, really tough to watch. Canada Day, I think everyone was just looking at their watch. When, when's hockey coming back? Mm-hmm. And it, it's finally here. It, it's like Christmas Eve. It really is. It really is. Like, And I'm noticing there's an extra spring in your step today. <laughs> well, you know, I just I just moved into my new place, and I love it. I'm just happy to have a place to call my own um, around campus. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in our final semester here, school semester, at Algonquin. So both of us are feeling pretty good about, you know, jobs in the future and stuff like that um and we are planning on getting guests we have just been really busy with work and assignments and we may get joe bowen on we don't know and we've got a lot we know we would love to bring back people like marat uh ken bulky from simbin vegas and trust me guys we will be getting those uh, on the show because we love we love having guests on. It's just planning and coordinating is kind of the difficult part for us, but we'll work on that. We'll work on that. And we've got a lot of other potential guests that we've got ideas on, and we'd love to get some people on the show. We're thinking guys like Sean Simpson. I, I'm good friends with him. I'm going to try and get him on the show, especially around World Juniors time. If you want thoughts on Team Canada, he's the guy, and – I really would like to get him on, and I've got some other surprises. Guests yeah, that we'd yeah. Love to bring on, and we're and really now that to bring and on. now that I've been here in Ottawa for a year, we kind of know who we can get, who we can't. We have a better idea. Like for example, we're probably not getting NHL players, and that's fine. We may be able to get X players. I know they love to do interviews. Speaking of X NHL players, uh. Carlo Koliakovo just took a full-time job with TSN Radio in Toronto, the former Leaf. And one of my buddies was joking with me because he said, oh, Landsberg in the morning, he's so boring, I can't stand him. And he says ever since Koliakovo joined the show, it's, it's got a different vibe to it. He loves it. So he's he's quite the broadcaster, Koliakovo. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, we both of us were working on the on-air part quite a bit last year, and we feel pretty good about pretty good about where we're at. And we've got some new production things coming down the line. We're 
working on some great new sounders for our Bottomless Fit of Doom and the top five, of course. And we're looking on some new intros, some new music. It's going to be a very good sounding podcast in the next couple of weeks. We can promise you that much. All right. Well, yeah. Let's get right into things, shall we? Absolutely. So for our season preview this year, the way we decided to go with things is quite simple. We're going to do our four season power rankings. And we're going to go through all 31 teams, and we'll give our thoughts on them. We'll talk about how they did in the offseason, how we think they're going to do this season, and we'll see how things go. All right. Well, speaking of the bottomless pit of doom, <laughs> let's start with those teams that we feel are going to be in the bottom. And we had we had a bit of a debate about this because— There were about four or five Yeah, that we were— we could have put them in any order, and really, I don't think either one of us would have argued with it. And just before we get into it, the, this is a reminder, this isn't what we think the final standings will be. This is just how we think teams are. Current rankings right now, mm-hmm. going into the season. We will yes. give our playoff predictions later, but for now, let, let's get right into it. So, who, Mac, who do you think is the worst team here? Now, of course, you've got the list in front of you, but... I mean, honestly, it was tough for me. It was between three teams because, but eventually what I decided on is, hey, the Montreal Canadiens still have a decent roster. They still have Carey Price and, you know, Shea Weber's out for half the year. But to me, they, especially at the end of last season, they improved a little bit. Bergevin hasn't really made any silly moves, I think, which is crazy to say, right, in the offseason. Although you could argue that Golchenyuk for Domi wasn't great, I don't. Think but at the same great. time, I think Golchenyuk was going to be traded anyway. Right. You don't know if Golchenyuk forced his hand, right? We'll get back. But to I'm not. Though. I'm not defending Mark Bergevin. I don't <laughs> think Mark Bergevin is a great GM. But having said that, Matt and I agree that at number 31, the worst team in the league. Drum roll. I know, the Vancouver Canucks. And, and now, this this was pretty simple for us. There's a few reasons for this. Number one, the Sedins are gone. Gone for good. That's a big loss for Vancouver. Number two, you've turned completely to the youth. And don't get me wrong, Brock Besser is great. And Elias Pettersson is great. And if Demko can figure it out at the NHL level, he, he looks like he has a lot of potential. But if you look past those guys, the prospect group for the Canucks is not that great. No, it, it isn't. Besides the guys you just mentioned, the Canucks prospect group really isn't that great. You do have Hughes, and I do like what Hughes could bring to the table. And Vancouver does have the potential to get the other Hughes. Now, wouldn't that be something? That would it, be really it, cool. It, it is a little <laughs> early to be talking that, but... I think they're they're in position. They are. And yeah. Because really, besides those guys you just mentioned, Vancouver, it's not a good team. It's not a good situation for Vancouver. I do think they do have some better prospects than some other teams down here. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So really, they, they may be bottom for us, but they aren't... In, if but, we were to rank by potential futures they wouldn't be bottom no no and uh, Pedersen in my opinion I was talking with Mike Kelly on Twitter from TSN the other day and I asked him a question I said 
You know, does Pedersen have a realistic shot at the Calder compared to, say, Rosmus Dahlin? And he said, absolutely. I, I and I think he does. Sure. I think it's going to be, especially this year, it's going to be a dogfight between two, three guys for that Calder trophy. Who do you think they are? You already mentioned Dahlin. Okay, all you, right. You, put, you mentioned it. Now I got I to gotta ask you. <laughs> well, I think it's Dahlin Pedersen. And then either Brady Kachuk or Kote Kinyemi. Because yeah. Brady Kachuk and Kote Kinyemi, their bodies and their skill is NHL ready. And they were very impressive, both of them. Oh, yeah, they were both in the preseason. preseason. And when those two teams drafted them, they knew that not only were they getting a really good player, but they were getting a player that was probably ready to play right away. And that was appealing to them, right? Yeah, and we'll, we'll get back on Brady Kachuk later because... You and I did talk about the draft in the offseason, but I, a lot of Sens fans who were very skeptical on Brady Kachuk and a lot of Habs fans who were skeptical on Code Kinyemi, <laughs> they're not as loud as they once were. No. They're, and They're proving the doubters wrong. And, you know, we'll talk about him in a bit, but it sounds like Philip Zadina is going to start in the AHL. He was impressive. You know, he clearly yeah. has a lot of tools. Having said that, he's not as ready as the other guys, and there's a reason that Montreal and Ottawa went with those guys. And now you see it, right? Now there's a little more justification, and oh, they didn't pick Sadina. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave I gave my Sens fans friends a hard time with that, really but did. I knew that Brady Kachuk was a good player, and so did you, and oh, yeah. so did other people. They just they were a little skeptical, and fair, fair and, to be. And Sadina is a very flashy player. Yes. Once he develops his skill set for the NHL, I think everyone will agree that Detroit got a real good pick with Zadina. It's just, it's not right now. That's the thing. Anyways, we spoke about Montreal briefly, but let's move on to number 30 here. We got the Montreal Canadiens, and you already brought up Bergevin, and you were kind of defending him. Now, I'm going to say, <laughs> I, I love the Pacioretty trade. I think... The Pacioretty trade was fantastic. He, 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 he I don't know what happened between, I don't, like, we don't really know what goes on in the Montreal front office, but everybody knows that there were questions when they traded uh, Galchenyuk for Domi, right? But at the same time, even though it seemed like it was a little more lopsided in Arizona's favor, you could understand where they were coming from. They were getting a player that they felt could be a good addition to the roster. He was cheaper. He was a little bit younger. And they feel like he's got more potential than he showed. So I understood it. Like, I understood why they made the trade. You know, Max Domi's a first-round pick. Now, the only problem with the trade is <laughs> now that you've traded Max Pacioretty and you've traded Galchenyuk, who the heck is going to put the puck in the back of the net? For Montreal, well, it's, serious question. Well, it's not going to be Shea Weber because he's going to be out half the season. And <laughs> speaking of Shea Weber, I'm sure we all saw this yesterday. And if you didn't, brace yourselves. The, the Montreal Canadiens captain this year will be none other than Mr. Shea Weber. Now, I'm not going to deny Shea Weber is a great leader. But when he's out half the season, do you, do you make him captain? I Have we ever seen this ever? I don't think I remember a player being named captain when he was out for half the season in in my lifetime, at least. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I 
part of me feels like that should have gone to Brendan Gallagher because he's he's not the sexy pick, but he's a guy that is he works his tail off and he's like the anti Brad Marchand in that he doesn't do stupid things on the ice. He 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 works his tail off, like I said, and he's a good player as long as he can stay healthy and he's very well liked in that dressing room. And I realize he's you know, not your prototypical captain, but in my opinion, the whole, you know, your captain has to be one of your best players thing, I, I don't buy I it. I don't agree. And I think it can be anybody as long as, you know, the team feels like he can be captain. And for me, I, I don't know why they haven't named Gallagher captain. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's their longest tenured player still. I believe Him and is. Carey Price, I believe. Um but, you know, I, the Montreal Canadiens do questionable things, and I I don't know. <laughs> they, they're they in position to improve, I think. You know, I do think Coach Kanyemi is going to have a nice season. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a great player. And, and Suzuki are... is, is a great prospect. Oh, you and I are both very high on Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Well, we've mentioned before on the show that we – got the opportunity to watch him work his magic last year when he came to Ottawa mm-hmm. in the OHL. And right away, he made an impact. I think he had three points in that game. Yeah, and you, we watched him in the uh, Gretzky-Holinka as well. And he was just, you know, he just sees the ice so well. And he's such a smart player. The, the one thing you always hear about Suzuki coming up is he's got great hockey IQ. And it sounds cliche, but it's true. And even in the preseason, he was he looked good for the Habs. He did. And I, I'm going to put this out there right now, and we'll get on it again in a few minutes, because obviously there was a real big trade that happened over the offseason between my Ottawa Senators and a certain other team in the NHL. And we haven't talked about it yet, and we will get on it, but I think Montreal got a better return for Pacioretty than a, a little-known Carlson guy. They did, and the 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 most the craziest thing is that this is the package that was offered initially, to our knowledge, for Carlson around the trade deadline last year, and the Sens wanted more. They asked for Cody Glass, and Vegas said no, and we we think it's possible they included Bobby Ryan, but I doubt it. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we'll talk about the Sens in a second because we've got one team below them (laughs) and I'll let you take this one, Matt. And now, despite the good draft and you and I were very high on our horses about the draft that they had this year, despite the draft, everything else about this team really hasn't been that great. And it's been what I would call the fall of an empire. And they've fallen all the way to number 29 on our list here. We've got Hockey Town. We've got the Detroit Red Wings. And the Red Wings, really, besides the good draft that they had, does anyone on the Red Wings really impress you? And I'm not saying they don't have some decent players. Well, uh, Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, uh, Athanasiu is very... Uh, streaky, but he's very talented. And uh, the kid who made it, 
Dennis Cholowski, he's been really impressive in the preseason, and he he's a pick out of, I think, St. Cloud State, and uh, he looks like he's going to be, you know, a top-pairing defenseman for them if things go pretty well. And, uh, you know, we know that Steve Eiserman stepped down from Tampa Bay, and everybody's saying he might go to Detroit. Honestly, if Steve Eiserman went to Detroit and took over his GM – and then Ken Holland was, I don't know, let's say president of Hockey Ops. In my opinion, that would work very well. And you look back the last two years, they're, they're going in the right direction. Having said that, why do you have to sign Jonathan Bernier, who's probably as good as Jimmy Howard, maybe a little better, for really a kind of, unnecessary big free agent contract for a goalie who's playing on probably a bottom 10 team. One thing that's always hurt the Red Wings, and you and I have talked about this at least the last couple years, has been the contracts. And really the Red Wings have a lot of big contracts on the books right now, and that's really what I I think is hindering them right now, is you've got some guys who are on big contracts who are past their prime and they're up against the cap. They don't have a whole lot of cap room. Yeah, but, you know, I think I will say this. I would say things are looking better for the Red Wings than they were, and I do think that they're looking into hiring somebody for that front office so that Kenny Holland can kind of take a step back because Ken Holland has he has done a really great job up until about a few years ago where he lost a lot of his staff to – like basically his entire staff was taken by various teams and he had to kind of rehire people and that's never easy. But for me, ever since they won those cups and Zetterberg and Datsuk were in their prime, they've been kind of consistently trending downhill despite the, you know, incredible playoff streak and stuff like that. And now, you know, without Zetterberg and obviously Datsuk has been out for a couple years now, uh he's in russia it's it's tough i mean i will say this i'm i'm really excited to see what dylan larkin can do i think he's he's ready to be like a real star and leader on that team and it wouldn't shock me if you know in a year or two he's named the captain of detroit and let's move on to our next team because this is the elephant in the room and it's something you and I've wanted to talk about for two, almost three weeks now. We're going to move on. And I'll admit, a year ago, if you said the Ottawa Senators would be 28th on our power rankings, I would have laughed. Now, I don't think they'd be extremely high on the power rankings. If you said they were around 18 to 15 range, I say I would say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But they are all the way down at 28. And what a difference a year can make. Yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about the Sens? I mean, first of all, you've got Eugene Melnick in charge, who seems to be running the show with an iron fist. He seems to have total control over everybody and everything. Like, you know, we don't really know this, but I have a feeling that you know, just based on the interviews we've seen from Pierre Dorian, the infamous preseason <laughs> interview. We're a team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, if you guys haven't seen that, highly recommend checking that clip. It, it's it basically summarizes where the Sens are at right now with their ownership and kind of the disconnection between their players. But yeah, I mean, it's just it just really seems like to me, and I think Ian Mendez brought this up. Um, I want to say towards the end of the season, you know, he's very insightful, and he was one of the first to realize that the Sens really wanted to clear a lot of cap space, get close to the cap floor, and build a young lineup, whether that's to for a good reason or to save Eugene and Melnick money. We don't know, but you know that's what they are now. They're they're young, they're a good team, but. They've got guys like Mark Stone and Duchesne who aren't guaranteed to resign. They are in contract years. And, you know, what are you going to get from Craig Anderson? I don't know. That's always been the question out of Ottawa is what's Craig Anderson going to do? Because he's always been kind of that fluky goaltender. One year he's lights out and you could put him in Vesna conversation. And then the next year he's just like last year. He was he was not good and he. I'm sure he'll be the first to admit it. Ottawa had horrible goaltending last year, and Craig Anderson did look better in the preseason. Do keep in mind it is preseason, but from what we've seen early on with Craig Anderson, he is looking better. And I do like what I saw from Matt Duchesne in the preseason. He had a really good preseason, and I I love the chemistry I saw between him and Brady Kachuk. Those two had really good chemistry during the preseason, and... If those two can get it going in the regular season as well, Ottawa, they're not going to make the playoffs. But if you play your cards right, you could end up in um, around 20th and avoid the dreaded giving up your first, the first overall pick to Colorado. And I think I can speak for most Suns fans at this point that that's all we want. And I I think they can. I, I don't think they're bad enough to be... But remember, it's a lottery, right? So I don't think they're bad enough to be worse than the NHL. I think there are teams that are clearly worse than them. At the same time, you know, let's say a trade deadline comes around and Stone and Duchesne want out. Well, then that's a little more tricky because then you've really got, well, first of all, Peugeot's out. You don't really have, you maybe have like one top six forward with Brady Kachuk. That's about it. So... That's when things could really take a turn. And I know they've been trying to trade Craig Anderson, but he's going to be an awfully difficult contract to trade. And also, I I don't think he wants to leave Ottawa. He seems to be happy here. So, yeah, like I said, I I think both of us are in agreement that the Sens are kind of sneaky. At the same time, they're not bad enough to be at the bottom. Now, before we move on to our next team, when we were prepping yesterday's show, I kind of jokingly said I could make an argument to say the Senators will be a playoff team this year. And before I get on this... Let's hear it. I I will say, in my heart, (laughs) the Sens will make the playoffs. In my mind, (laughs) the Sens are not making the playoffs. But let let me make an argument. And you can laugh all the way to the bank, Mac. That, that is perfectly fine, but here we go. The Sens will be a playoff team because they're going to go with the youth movement. Eugene Melnick, for all the criticism he gets, I think he was right when, and I don't think he did it the right way. He should have come out in the press con- a regular press conference. But 
I do think he was right when he said, let's go with the youth movement. Let's bring in 10 rookies. And ensured the return on the Carlson trade wasn't great. And you and I were both in agreement on that right away. But let's say Pierre Dorian is secretly a mad genius, right? And just one of those guys happens to have a really good year. He might, right? Chris Tierney might have a really good year. He's going to get a bigger role with Ottawa than he did in San Jose. Matt Duchesne, it's a contract year for him. He's going to want to put up points. Even if he doesn't want to stay here, he needs to put up some points so that he can say when it yeah. comes time to sign his next contract. Duchesne and Stone, contract yeah. years. Brady Kachuk, he could have a Calder year. You and I were talking about that. He could. Thomas Shabbat, you and I are very high on Thomas Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Could, this could be his breakout year. Chris Weidman, he's no longer under the shadow of Eric Carlson. He is coming off an in- injury. But now he's going to be running that top power play. And Chris Weidman's always been one of those players on the Senators that really I've always found has untapped potential. And this could be the year that finally get out. Ottawa has a much better locker room this year, too. I think that this locker room, even if the team struggles this year, I think is going to be very strong. It seems like they're all bonding together. They're all having a good time. I think Colin White could also be good. I'd, I'd love to see... Formanton and Batherson up here at some point this year. Uh, I think Ottawa, I, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but let's say they go with the youth movement. Duchesne and Stone have good years. Kachuk has a Calder year. Anderson's at the form we know he can be. Weidman's doing well. Shabbat's doing what we know he can do. Then it's not out of the question for Ottawa to make a run for it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But if everything goes the way I think it could go in an ideal circumstance, it could happen. Yeah, I, uh, that's perfectly reasonable. And both of us are, are we know the Sens are not, I, you know, it's just hard to see them as that bad because, you, like you said, they've got Shabbat. They've got, they've got good young players coming up like Colin White. They've got, you know, Stone, Duchesne, you know, Craig Anderson – for most of his career, has been a very good goaltender, and I think he just has to stay healthy. Um, question for you. Yes. Curtis McElhaney and Calvin Pickard are on waivers. Hmm. Would you claim one of them if you were Ottawa? That's a tough question. And then would you put Condon on waivers? Because we know what Condon can bring, too. He's For the most part, he's been a fairly solid backup. He had a really bad year last year. But you know what you're going to get with McElhaney. And you mentioned it yesterday when we were doing show prep, is that he's a, he's a very solid goaltender. And I think he could serve as a good backup for Ottawa. The question is, does Ottawa want to take on his contract and waive Condon? That's the real question. I personally would, because I think I like Condon, but McElhaney has always been very consistent. Mm-hmm. And we saw what he brought in Toronto last year. Yeah, and I think he'd be a good, and he's a younger goaltender, I believe. I would be really surprised. Well, I guess not totally shocked because a lot of teams are you know short on cap room. But in my opinion, there's a lot of teams that could make themselves better by claiming one of those guys to improve their backup position. And I think we've talked about this before, you and I. Both of us feel the backup goalie is an extremely underrated it, it is. thing for a contending team. It really is because as much as you're 
starting goal tender like a Carey Price or a Henrik Lundqvist can be lights in day in and day out. When you have those back-to-backs, let's say you're a Colorado and you're playing in Chicago one night and then you're playing in Minnesota the next night, that, you can't have your goal, you can't have your starting goaltender in night in and night out. And let's say, and your goaltender could go down with injury. Then what are you going to do? Because if your team's reliant on your starting goaltender and then they go down or you need to start your backup, you're in a tough spot. So having a solid backup goaltender, I think is a very important thing to have. Look at the Washington Capitals. They won the Stanley Cup last year. They had Braden Holtby. And Grubauer. And Grubauer got off to a tough start in the playoffs. And they brought in Braden Holtby. Mm-hmm. And lo- and now we're talking about Alex Ovechkin having the summer of his life with the Stanley Cup. And, and not, not only that, but you look at most teams that have won the Cup the past 5-10 years. Most of them have very capable or good backups. Whether it's a young guy that's coming up and about to take over like uh, Matt Murray did. Or whether it's you know a older veteran that's capable of playing, pretty much if the uh, starter goes down or if he needs to give him a rest, and you know I think teams are starting to take notice of that because why would the Boston Bruins go out and sign Yaro Halak if they didn't feel he was a quality backup? And honestly, Yaro Halak as a backup sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it sounds as a starter, good. no. But backup, a backup, perfect. And as a backup to Rask, I think that's a ideal situation for him, and it's a great it's great for Rask because now, especially if Halak can perform like we know he can, uh, Halak, pardon me, Rask is going to feel pretty good having his backup goaltender on the bench. So let's move on to our next team. We're going to move on to the New York Islanders, and for the first time in a while, they're going to have number ninety one playing on their team. And definitely an interesting situation in New York. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, like you said, Tavares is gone. Uh, you know, now you have a new coach in there, Barry Trotz. Uh, he got the money he wanted. And, you know, Lou Lamorello takes over, makes a bunch of moves. He basically brought back a lot of guys that he liked from Toronto. Like Komarov. Komarov, even though he's not the best player, very good guy to have in the locker room. And the contract's not terrible. So it makes sense. Now, what the Isles are really counting on here, and we talked about how great their draft was. It, it was fantastic. All the picks just fell into their lap. They're counting on Matty Barzil to really step up and become a superstar. They and, really are. And Honestly, he's perfectly capable. I just question if he has enough support on that team. I think him and Josh Bailey will be a great little tandem. Um, and I think they had Anthony Beauvillier playing on that line as well. And he's so. he's an interesting guy. He's mm-hmm. always been – he's had a lot of potential. Hasn't quite reached it yet. And I think maybe they brought him up a little too early. But I think now is when you're going to kind of see him round into form and see what kind of player he can be at the NHL level. And both of us are big fans of Anders Lee. He's one of the most underrated goal scorers in the league the last five, ten years. Um, and I don't know, there's there's questions, obviously. The goaltending probably 
chief of them. I mean, they didn't acquire anybody, really, and the goaltending situation does not look good there. Well, they now have Robin Leonard, and Robin Leonard, he's always had an up-and-down career, and if you if you haven't seen the read the article on the struggles he went through over the past year, it's definitely worth a read. It, it definitely was eye-opening. Mm-hmm. It explains a lot. It does, yeah. And and considering what he played through. Yeah, uh, he's played through a lot and we know and for we know the, how talented Robin Leonard is. It, he just he's struggled to find consistency in terms of what he is at the NHL level. I think there's kind of a school of people that believes he's kind of your really good backup goaltender. And then there's another school that believes, you know, he's shown at times that he has the upside to be a starter. He's not an elite starter, but, you know, he's had some seasons with Buffalo and other teams where he's put up pretty good numbers. And you talked about how there's two different camps of Robin Leonard. The way I see it is that there was the camp in Ottawa and the Brian Murray camp who thought he could be a starter one day. But he made a very solid backup to Craig Anderson when he was in Ottawa. And then there's the camp in Buffalo under Tim Murray who thought he's our starter. And he did. Sh- he has shown flashes of brilliance. There goes the mic. So ignore that. <laughs> and as much as we try to avoid technical mishaps here at Algonquin, they do happen. The mics, they have little screws on the top of them. And sometimes... They just fall at random, eh, Mac? Yeah, uh, and the equipment can be unpredictable. It's pretty good. Uh, you know, we've been using these studios for a year now, a lot. Um, but sometimes the mic isn't screwed in all the way, and it just drops like you heard there. Hopefully you weren't wearing headphones. Uh, we'll make sure to turn that sound down when we finish <laughs> editing the show. But, yeah, let you know the islanders they're they're interesting but to me they're kind of in that bottom 10 15 group yeah and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the islanders this year a definite year of change and another team that's going to be transitioning from uh, one type of team to another will be none other than the chicago blackhawks because the glory days are over for the Chicago Blackhawks, and you and I came out and said that last year, and we came right out and said it. This is the end of the glory years for the Chicago Blackhawks, and it looks like you and I are right about that, Mac, because the Blackhawks, besides Kane, really a lot of their guys are aging or starting to get past their prime, and you and I talked about the Hawks yesterday during our show prep, and we both agreed Taves... Could have another big year. It's not out of the question. But really, the Hawks are in a funny situation because they've got Taves and Kane on identical long-term contracts. They've got Seabrook on a long-term contract. Crawford is dealing with injuries more often nowadays. Yeah, he hasn't played at all, I think, since Christmas. Uh, Almost and been a year. the rumor has it he has like symptoms or has vertigo, so that can't be good. Uh, and remember, Crawford's not a spring chicken either. He's in his mid thirties now, and like you said, they're 
they're just strapped for cash pretty much. They they have all their money tied up in long-term deals and you know, they've only gotten out of a few of those and the only way they did that was by trading away first-round picks to get teams to take salary like they did with Teravainen and Bickle to Carolina and that worked out pretty well for Carolina. <laughs> but, you know, they I think they had a decent draft. I'm not sure how much I like the Boakvist pick, although it'll be interesting to see. He's going to be playing with the London Knights this year. He was assigned to them on the 26th, and that'll be a nice home for him. London Knights is a great hockey program. Um, but, you know, it's just year after year. It's what are Taze and Kane going to do, and is anybody else going to step up? And I I don't know. And Duncan Keith last year really, really had a rough year. And to be fair, he didn't have a lot of support on that blue line. He was playing a lot of big minutes. But I don't know. Uh, Chicago, to me, is, is a team that is really rebuilding, but doing so with very little cash available. The Blackhawks definitely have the potential to be a bottom five team this year. Yeah. And I, I don't see how them making the playoffs at all this year. They do have Kane, and that's always their, been their X factor. Patrick Kane has been incredible for years, and I don't see it changing this year barring some sort of major injury because even with the rest of his team slowing down, I don't see him slowing down, but the – the problem is the rest of the team is aging and they're strapped for cash, as you said. The the Hawks are in a sticky situation, and I don't see it being resolved anytime soon. And before we talk about our next team, we were reading over some Sportsnet articles yesterday, some of their experts' predictions for the upcoming season. And one of the questions was, which GM is most likely to be fired? And there were the usual candidates. There was Bergevin, there was Dorian, but there was one clear winner about who people think will be fired. And, Mac, do you, who do you think it is? Because well, it, it's one of two guys, right? Uh, but I've got a feeling it's, uh, it's the man who shouldn't have ever had a hockey job since he traded Tyler Sagan for scraps. Is, am I right about that? Yeah, you're bang on about that. <laughs> Shirelli. <laughs> On the hot seat, and there, there's good reason for him to be on the hot seat. And there was overwhelming consensus from the Sportsnet experts that Shirelli is the most likely GM to be fired this season. And, and, and you know, we've mentioned that really we're shocked that he's still working for the Oilers, and they've given him a long leash, but I don't think if things don't go well this year and he makes some silly moves – I don't see them continuing that direction. I think the Oilers are going to look at teams like the Maple Leafs and other teams that have brought in new management and spent more money on staff and said, okay, that's what we need to do. We need to not only upgrade our team, but upgrade our staff. And to me, Peter Shirelli is a below average NHL GM at this point. Yeah, and McDavid definitely covers for a lot of his faults. Because when you have a guy like McDavid, and same with when Eric Carlson was here in Ottawa, he would cover the fault of a lot of 
the mistakes that management and coaching would make because he's so good. And I think that'll continue this year. There are some talks in Oiler Nation that they can make the playoffs. I don't see it. You have Dreisaitl and you have McDavid, and both of them, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they have real good years. But really, the rest of the team after those two guys, I'm not saying they're a huge drop-off, but Dreisaitl and McDavid are the engine that make the Oilers go. Do you agree with that? They are, and I will say that the Oilers this year with Pugliarvi finally ready to go, Nugent Hopkins is probably going to be on that top line with McDavid. They're looking a little better, but it's they're kind of, I mean, not the exact same situation as the Blackhawks, but, I mean, similar because they have a lot of dollars tied up in guys that, they probably shouldn't have extended long-term like Sakara and Lucic. And, you know, Cam Talbot needs to have a bounce-back year. I think I don't, I don't. think he has a few years left on his deal. And really, he's only had one real good season for Edmonton. Yeah, he has. And he did not have a good year last year. Really, with the exception of McDavid and Drysdale, everyone really had a big drop-off from the season before. And... I do think I don't think the Oilers will be bottom five. Heck, they could. I I think this is my prediction for the Oilers this year is I think they'll kind of be in that Dallas Stars limbo tape state, if you know what I mean, where they're not quite good enough to get into the playoffs, or they'll be in that wild card contention, but they're not bad enough to tank for a guy like Hughes. If you get my drift, because. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. They're in the middle. They're kind of around where the Dallas Stars, the Minnesota Wild, those teams are, where they're not bad enough to be at the bottom, but they're not good enough to be a real contender. And I think, uh, I think that's almost worse than being in the tank because at least with the tank, you know that there's a good chance that you'll probably get a solid player out of said tank and. You're on a rebuild, and you'll get the young players you need to contend a few years from now. Where if you're in the middle, not saying you won't get solid players in the middle of the first round. There's a lot of good players that go mid-first round. But really, but really, you want the impact players. You want the Hugheses. You want the Darlene's. You want the Kachucks. And so those could be hard to get mid-round, especially if you don't have the have real good scouting staff or a real solid front office and management team. And you you and I have been very critical of the Oilers management team for a while, eh? And yeah, yeah. And, you know, they do have Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins, and that's great. <laughs> you know, don't get <laughs> me wrong, but we don't know what we're going to get from Pugliarvi. Ty Ratty had an excellent season, sorry, preseason. And he's going to start on that top line with McDavid. We don't know how long that will last. Remember, you know, Pat Maroon played with McDavid and had 30 goals. So um, it's possible Ty Ratty finds a role with the Oilers. We don't know, though, because preseason stats mean nothing. But they were very happy with him on that line. And Ty Ratty's a guy who has always been talented. He just hasn't been able to reach any kind of consistency at the NHL level. He's been kind of hovering in the AHL for a while. 
McDavid is going to be the X factor once again for Edmonton. He'll go as far as he can take them. Yeah, and you know, I I think they're I like who they picked. I think Bouchard is going to be a guy that they can really depend on uh, as one of those new age defensemen who can really supply offense for them. But I mean, I don't. I'm not really impressed with the rest of their decor. Oscar Clefbaum has a lot of potential. Did not have a good year last year. The year before, when everything went right for the Oilers, he had a great year. So, is he in between? And what about Larson? We know Adam Larson is a good player. Really, really bad year last year. Yeah, and a lot of the guys on the Oilers had really bad years last year. Which is why it's hard for me to think that the Oilers will be as bad as they were last year. But at the same time, as I mentioned, I don't think they're good enough to really contend. So the Oilers are in that limbo right now, and I think a regime change in the GM chair will help the Oilers. And I think a lot of people out there would agree on that. And we're going to move on now to a team that has said straight out that they're doing a full rebuild. And they set it back around Christmas time. And that would be the New York Rangers. Yeah, and uh, I, I liked who they drafted. I think Kraftsov is one of the more talented players in that draft class. And also they got Keandre Miller, who is kind of a project, but a lot of potential for him. And really they've got, they've got a lot of good young players, you know, even I guess Mika Zibanejad is like a veteran for them now, but they still have, uh, you know, Buchnevich. They still have Jimmy VC. Uh, it sounds like Pionk is going to have a full-time role now. You know, he was, Pretty excellent for them down the stretch. Henrik Lundqvist seems to be uh, going down with the ship, if if you want to call it that. Uh, you know, Henrik Lundqvist to me is is a is a good goalie, but he needs somebody to help him to split time. Because if you can, let's say, play Lundqvist for I don't know forty five fifty games, and then let the backup play twenty five to thirty, that's that's a good plan. But if you overwork Lundqvist like they have in the past, he gets injured and he his numbers suffer and you know. But the Rangers are like you said, they've committed to a rebuild and they're aware that it's kind of funny because I don't know if there's any expectations for the Rangers right now. Like I think the fans of that team right now are at a point where they're like, okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We don't really know what this team is going to do. No, no one is quite sure what the Rangers are going to do because we know they have some players on that team that can really make some noise and could propel them in the playoffs. It depends on how strong the Metropolitan Division is this year. But we also know that the Rangers have said they'll go to a full rebuild. And... I would expect them to be kind of in a, a similar situation to the Oilers this year, where, but the difference is, is that the Red, sorry, the Rangers know that they're go that they're on a rebuild, and I think they'll finish lower than the Oilers, but not much. They'll they'll be around the same mark because they're not bad enough to tank for a spot in the exact same situation. They're not bad enough to tank for a spot but they're not good enough to be in the playoff 
but right. and right. Raiders management has come out and said that we have no plans to make the playoffs this year. And I think they've got the right idea with that because they know that their t- their time to win with this current core is over. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup with this current core unless everyone suddenly has a, a major resurgence. And it could happen, but it's highly unlikely. So I like the approach the Rangers are taking where they're they're not quite rebuilding on the fly, but they're not tearing everything down and rebuilding if you if you get my drift yeah exactly and that's that's kind of where they're at and there are other teams that are in a similar position to them um although we've known for example the next team up the carolina hurricanes we know they've been rebuilding they have a new owner uh and we did play the whalers music before because they will be wearing the whalers jersey twice this year i gotta say they may be 23 on the power rankings, but they're number one on the jersey power rankings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of their alternate, new alternate jerseys, but the Whalers jerseys make up for it. Right. Unfortunately, they only wear them twice. Yeah. But in terms of the Hurricanes, I mean, they've got a lot of really good young players. I mean, this is a team that has been kind of in construction for three, four years now. You know, Martin Nikosh. Aho, Falk, uh, Jacob Slavin, you know, there's a ton of guys, obviously Svechnikov there that what a great have a lot of potential. Well, the Carolina Hurricanes were thrilled with the draft lottery moving from what, where they really should have been around 10-11 all the way up to number two. It was a great, great draft lottery for them. And Svechnikov, he's going to be a great player for them. And you and I... As soon as Carolina was announced at number two, you and I were thinking Svechnikov is the player they need. And we haven't heard anything about him getting sent down. I think I think he's made the team. We will double-check on that right now. And, you know, to me, like I said, he's going to be uh, right in there with Dolan and Pedersen for the Calder Trophy. And he is one of the more gifted goal scorers uh, recently that we've seen come up through the draft. And, you know, he's he's a fairly big kid. He's about 185 pounds. Um, and he has an NHL shot already. So we haven't heard anything about him getting sent down. Um, so I believe he has made the roster. But we will confirm that later on. Yeah, well, nothing can concrete just yet, but... Chances are he'll be on the opening night roster. But there's one thing that's probably going to hold Carolina back, and that's Peter Mrazek and Scott Darling and Ned. It's not bad. It's not great either. But, you know, they swung for the fences with Darling, and they lost. Um, But really, Francis did a nice job of managing that team. He didn't make a lot of high-risk signings. And to me, they're a team that's on the upswing. They're not quite as good as some of the teams ahead of them, but I think in two, three years, they could be quite good. Um, And I still question whether or not hockey will work in Carolina, even though they have a new owner. Yeah, well, these are the questions that really— Because remember, like, there's only—you can't not win for four or five years and expect people to show up, you know? Prospects are great, 
people love to follow prospects, but you need to put a winning product on the ice or else the fans aren't going to come and support the team. You can only sell hope for so long before fans are tired of it. They want to see winning. And could this be the year the Hurricanes finally make it back to the playoffs? I don't think so, but... They're not there yet. They're they're to me they're they're going to be close, but not quite. Now at number twenty two, we've got the Buffalo Sabers, and they were constantly in our bottomless pit of doom last year. Basically, when we walked into studio to do center ice last year, before we even got the show going, we basically who's our bottomless pit of doom this week? We we put Ottawa, Vancouver, and we knew Buffalo was going to be in there. At somewhere Buffalo was going to be in there, and I don't, I don't think there was any week where Buffalo wasn't in our bottomless pit of doom last year. No, you're right on that. But hey, things are looking up for them. They got the man Rasmus Dahlin, number one overall. Jack Eichel looks like he's primed for a huge season. Um, you know they acquired Jeff Skinner, and it seems like. Jason Botterill has really turned that team around. Connor Sherry as well. Connor Sherry is a good player. Uh, he's a good top six forward that any team can use. And, of course, they got him from Pittsburgh. And, really, the return on Ryan O'Reilly I thought was excellent. I mean, you got Tage Thompson, who he's a big kid, very talented prospect, who, in my opinion, was outstanding in the preseason. And then you've got the basically most of the kids are ready now. Middle stat will be up. And, you know, you're starting to see the Buffalo Sabres as they've been building and building for years. And to me, now I'm going to say this right now because this is kind of, I mean, it's early enough, but also I believe it's possible. If things go right for the Buffalo Sabres, if Eichel plays the way he can, if players stay healthy, if Carter Hutton can come close to repeating what he did last season with more wins. This is a potential dark horse playoff team, in my opinion, this year. Yeah, they are. and It's a team that has so much potential, but it's a matter of will the kids do what they what the management has been promising they'll do. And the time is drawing close for the Buffalo Sabres to finally give their fans some results. Because you're right, they've been building this team for the last four, almost five years. And if you're a Sabres fan, you want to see some results. And I I agree. I think Jack Eichel is primed for a big year. I think bringing in a guy like Rasmus Dahlin, even if he he isn't what he says he'll be this year, let's say he, he has a solid year this year but not a calendar year. That's fine. But you bring in a guy like Rasmus Dahlin, and not only does it bring hope to the, your fans, it, it really it brings a whole new life to your locker room. When you bring in a big guy like that, it, it changes the whole complexion of your locker room and it changes the whole outlook on your team. And considering you and I took Buffalo from basically 31 down here up to 22, basically just off of Rasmus Dahlin coming in, just tells you how good this kid will be. And I, wa- I watched him during the preseason, and he is really, really good. Yeah, he can really drive the offense. He will. He's a little raw, so he will make some mistakes. We saw. I saw a few 
pretty careless turnovers in the preseason. And I tried to make a point of watching him a lot because, hey, he's you know he's the number one overall pick. And, hey, he's just down the road from Toronto, so right. got to yeah. keep an eye on him. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, some friends and I might go down to a game in Buffalo, as long as tickets aren't too expensive, maybe around I the holidays. To, I meant to go to a Sens game in Buffalo last year when I was in Rochester because it's only an hour away. And Buffalo fans, and I know this for a fact because they're all in Rochester when I'm there, mm-hmm. are some of the most friendly fans in the league. Oh, they're you, great. You I love go. I love going to KeyBank. I went there last year with my parents, um, and we saw a Sabres game. Uh, I think it was Sabres versus Columbus, and we got to see Eichel and O'Reilly and those guys. Great seats, very cheap trip all it's around. It's a great arena too. Yeah, Buffalo is Buffalo is a underrated place to go visit. If you're going, if you're passing through somewhere, it's definitely worth taking a day, going to get some Buffalo wings, taking in a Bills or Sabres game. I think. A lot of fans in Buffalo this year are a lot more optimistic about the Sabres than the Bills. And we're not a football <laughs> show, so we're not going to get into the Bills here. <laughs> but for the first time in a while, Buffalo has a sports team that they can really say, this is, this is a team that could contend someday. And they have good reason to be excited. If I'm a Sabres fan right now, which I'm not, I'm a Sens fan. So, But if you are a Sabres fan, you have all the reason to be Really, really excited for Thursday night and the home opener. Absolutely. And and I'm excited to see how they do this year because, to me, they're going to be one of the more fascinating stories to follow, whether they're really good or not. And I have a feeling they're going to be good. I think they'll definitely be in the conversation for playoffs. Do they make it? It depends. It depends what type of year Eichel and Darlene have, really. And Hutton. If Hutton has a good year like we know he could do, then I think they are a playoff team. So it re- I think it really comes down to what will those three guys do. And we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Coming yep. in at 21 is the Calgary Flames. And You're a good old Calgary Flames. Second yeah. favorite team, right? Well, yeah, because I, I got to have a team that has a chance to make the playoffs. And they do have a chance to make the playoffs. It's a very similar roster to what they had last year. And, but obviously they made a few trades over the offseason. They're bringing in a guy. They're bringing in James Neal. And it's a mixed reception on bringing in James Neal. We know what he can bring to the table. It's a question of will he, will he live up to the contract they've given him. And an, another question for the Flames, and it's the same question I guarantee you next season we're going to be asking the exact same question because we asked it last year. How will the goaltending do? That's the real question because you have Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to doubt Mike Smith is going to be good. But the backup goaltending for Calgary has never been their strong suit. And you and I talked about how earlier in the show, if you want to make a run at the playoff spot and a cup, you've got to have a solid backup goaltender in the Flames were well on their way to making the playoffs towards the end of last season. Then Mike Smith went down, and goaltending was a train wreck, and then the rest of the team just fell apart. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Calgary this year. One player I am excited to see, and he was one of the big pieces on the ret- during the trade with Carolina, is Hannafin. I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, Hannafin, uh, 
very good player. Also, they got Lindholm as well in that deal. Um, and to me, Hannafin was originally projected to be kind of that elite number one defenseman. And it's quite possible that he may be that someday. But right now, he's he's a top four. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, but I think when he was originally drafted by Carolina, they were expecting really big things from him. And they were a little disappointed, so they decided to move on. And understandably, they got a really good player in Dougie Hamilton um, in that deal, and also Adam Fox. But that, you know, that's going to be a fascinating deal to follow the next yeah, well, three, four years. Because really it was... Because it's a wait-and-see deal. You don't yeah. really know who won the deal. I'm, I'm a little pessimistic on... I like um, Hannafin. I don't know about the contract extension for Lindholm because he's talented, don't get me wrong, but they invested a lot of money in him very early. Well, and considering he hasn't even played a official regular season game in Calgary yet. Yeah. So yeah. We'll have to see what the Flames will do. They're, they're always one of those teams that will be packing in a playoff spot. So we'll have to see what kind of year Goudreau, Monaghan, the, the forwards have. I'll be interested to see what Sam Bennett will do this year. Because as a Flames fan, Bennett has always been one of those players that's always infuriated me. And mostly because I know the talent he can bring. But he's always he's always fighting, always getting penalties. And we'll have to see what he can do. And now that Kachuk is in Ottawa, I have to follow Matthew Kachuk a bit closer than I otherwise would for Calgary. And... Don't get me wrong. When I watch Flames games, I love Matthew Kachak. He's a great player. puts up some puts up some solid number of points every year. Flames always like having him. But there's going to be the comparison between Matthew and Brady this year, and for the next few years there will be. So Calgary, it's going to be interesting to see what they do this year. I think it really comes down to goaltending. I uh, yeah, I th- I think so. I mean, we know. Their forward corpse is pretty good. They have pretty good de- defense. Um, it's just, I think, mostly can Mike Smith stay healthy, and it'll be interesting to see how the new head coach does things there. Yeah, I will. And we're gonna we're about to get out of the bottom ten, and rounding out our bottom ten is the St. Louis Blues, and this is where things started to get dif- really difficult for us. Oh, so many, so many teams that are kind of in the same realm, and it, for us, it was either St. Louis or Minnesota in this spot. But we ended up going with St. Louis for a couple of reasons. First of all, Jake Allen is a complete wild card. He can be as elite as any goalie in the NHL, or he can be below average. Um, and remember, he doesn't have that safety net in Carter Hutton anymore. They do have. Um, the kid coming up, the Finnish kid, the goaltender, who looks really good for them. Um, but, I mean, like, O'Reilly's great, don't get me wrong, but to me it's kind of a two-line team. And I, I, I love the defense. I think the defense is one of the best in the league. But having said that, I think there's too many questions with the bottom six yeah. and with the goaltending. And that's the reason we have them where they are. Yeah, and I think you said it perfectly. The bottom six is, and the goaltending, that's the questions 
for St. Louis. Will the bottom six perform? And will the goaltending perform? That's really what the season hinges on for the Blues. And as mentioned earlier, Minnesota will come in at our next spot, number 19. And Minnesota, once again, we had we had to think about this one for a while because really we could have switched Minnesota with a bunch of these teams and I think we could have made a solid argument for it. Sorry, just real quick, Matt. That's Billy Husso who I was talking about. All right, the, Billy Husso. The young Finnish goaltender for the Blues and their organization. So let's continue on Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, so Minnesota, they obviously did not have the playoffs they were hoping for last year. They got thrashed by the Jets. And <laughs> really, yeah, It's almost an impossible task. I mean, it's like it's almost as if, you know, you work so hard to make the playoffs, and then boom, round one. Uh-oh. We're going to face arguably the best team in the league. Yep. It, you know, they did their best. I would say the opening four games, they were very good. Yeah. And really, the, they haven't – the team hasn't changed a lot. So – and I think guys like Erickson Eck are going to get better, and I still think they have a pretty formidable – Top six. It's not great, but you still have Koivu, you have Niederreiter, you have Coyle. Everybody's waiting for Charlie Coyle to have that big year, and it could happen any given moment. He's just had trouble staying healthy. He's such a talented player, Charlie Coyle. Health is really what I think is the big question for the Wild. That's fair. Besides cap space. And that's one reason why the Wild... For me, it's one of the reasons why we put the Wild a little lower. And I'm... Because you and I have talked about the contracts that the Wilds have been under. And they have some long-term deals there that may not hurt them this year, but two, three years from now, those deals are going to come back and bite them. Look at the Zach Parise deal. It's a long deal. And I'm a big fan of Zach Parise. And I think when he's healthy, he's arguably one of Minnesota's top players. He's a good player. But the question is, can he stay healthy? And in uh, the deal, the contract that he's got is not team-friendly at all. Yeah, and, you know, they're tied to both of those guys. They made the decision to go after them, and you can understand why. Um, so I think Minnesota, to me, is still, re- is still a good team. They still have Dubnik, and Dubnik, we know how good Dubnik can be when he's on. He can be absolutely lights out. <laughs> when he's the other way, not so much, no. but uh, they're still a good team, and they still deserve to be around this rank. So Heading into our next spot, and we've talked about them a fair bit, but not a whole lot in depth. We've got the Dallas Stars. And Dallas, as mentioned earlier, is one of those teams that you never are quite sure what you're going to get from them. They locked up Sagan in the offseason, and you and I weren't sure whether they were going to do that. And they got him on a fairly good deal for the team. And that's a big, that's a big weight off your back if you're Dallas getting Sagan signed. Oh, absolutely, and pretty reasonable dollars. Yeah, and I think that Dallas is one of those teams that, once again, we'll see. Not a whole lot has, has changed with Dallas. Once again, with a, like a lot of teams that are in the middle, it's the goaltending. That's 
going to be the question yet again this year is can Dallas deliver some in goaltending this year? Because we know how good the offense can be. No one's going to doubt that Dallas can score goals, but can they stop goals from going in the back of their net? And that's what's been holding them back the past few years is goaltending and defense. That's really what it boils down to for the Dallas Stars. Ben and Sagan will have good years yet again. One person I'm excited to see is Heiskanen. And for a while, there, there, was the opportun- there was the possibility of him coming to Ottawa in the Carlson trade. But, he, but Dallas stood their ground, and they're going to keep him. And, and Dallas is very high on him. They're, they're excited to see what Heiskanen can bring. I'm not 100% sure if he made the roster out of camp this year. But I did get to see a couple games with him, and I like what I saw from him. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, Dallas, they've got they've got some guys coming up like Julius Honka. And I'm a big fan of Radic Faxa. To me, he's one of the more underrated second-line centers in the league. And like you talked about, there's a bit of a youth movement going on. It's a good roster. And I like that they've solidified the goaltending with Anton Hudobin and Ben Bishop. I think that was a smart move by them. Well, I, I'm still not sold on the goaltending because I do think it's better than it, what it has been in recent years. But it's a it's a question for me: is can the goaltending stand up? And oh, the other thing is Nichushkin. Hmm. He hasn't been back in the NHL for a little while. We know how talented he is. It will be really interesting to see how he plays. But I'm excited to see him. You know, I remember when they brought him up really early and everybody could tell that he just wasn't ready. But the talent was there. He, he scored some great goals, so I'm excited to see him. But we're going to take a bit of a break here and we will finish up this podcast in just a little bit. So thank you for listening. If you're still listening, it's going to be a long show because we're going over pretty much every single team. So stick with us and we'll be right back on Center Ice. Welcome back to Center Ice, and now we're going to finish the last half of the show. And, of course, we do have an announcement to make. We mentioned Pickard and McElhaney on waivers. Well, Pickard has been claimed by Philly, so he will be the backup there. And Curtis McElhaney was claimed by the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Leafs were only going to be able to slip Pickard through waivers for so long. Yeah, they were. When you play with waivers, it's a real risky game, and eventually, it's gonna cost you. And they sent Pickard through waivers many, many times, and never got claimed. But it was gonna come and bite him back, bite him eventually. But and it happened today, and I'd say it's a good pickup for Philly. I think both moves are good. Yeah, I think I think those are quality quality backups that can help take some stress off of your starter. Especially Carolina, I think McElhaney was a real good pickup for them. Yeah, no doubt. And so you and I were talking about how we weren't sure about Mrazek and Net for Carolina earlier. And so I guess the question is, are they going with? If I had to guess, I would say they're going with Mrazek and McElhaney, because Scott Darling has not shown well no, for the Carolina no. Hurricanes at all, and. They just want to be done with that contract. Fortunately for them, I think there's only a year or two left on it. I so it's think not so. that bad. 
It's really not that bad. No, no. In the grand scheme of things. Okay, moving on. Let's keep it going. Arizona Coyotes. And this is the one where I really had to fight to get the Coyotes higher than... Really, I don't think... I think if you were ranking this individually, you would probably put them in the bottom 10. No, come on. <laughs> I like the Coyotes, and I think their their time is starting to come. Well, the, and we saw it late second last half of the season. season. Yeah. They, were on, they were the hottest team, I believe, or one of the hottest teams in the second half of the NHL season last year. And... Really, they had a really quiet, good, quiet second half. Not many people paid much attention to them. And personally, I think part of the reason why the Coyotes struggled last year is because their schedule was so bad. Mm. They were on the road for most of the first half of the season, and it wasn't like they were short road trips either. They were going to Ottawa, Toronto, Winnipeg, Vancouver. They were flying everywhere, and obviously... As individuals, we can say, well, they're flying in private jets. Uh, that's not so bad. But really, you're traveling across time zones. You're away from your family. You're traveling long distances. And then you have to go play a hockey game. So traveling isn't always easy. And I do know for a fact the Coyotes complained to the NHL, as they should have completely. They said, look, our schedule was awful. It can't be this bad next year. And it looks like the NHL has made, for the most part, the schedules for every team pretty balanced this year. And I think that'll make a big difference. Of course, it's not all about the schedule. The Coyotes have some pretty good players. They've got, of course, Alex Gilchunik, and yes, he is out at the moment, but when he does return, he'll make an impact on that Coyotes lineup. I do have a couple questions about Ranta, but he had a really good year last year. I think I don't see any reason why he'll drop off. He could... And that does raise a couple of questions, but I don't think it'll happen. No, I don't think so. I think Antti Ranta is is a guy that can be, you know, maybe not an elite number one, but a pretty darn good number one goalie. Um, and I agree. I, I think if I had to compare the Coyotes to any team right now, I would compare them. They're kind of the Buffalo Sabres of the West because – they're a really good young team. They've got some good veterans. And you're finally starting to see all the top prospects come through. You know, Dylan Strom is ready to go now. You know, he's going to be exciting to watch. They've been waiting on him for a little while. You know, of course, drafted in the same draft that Mitch Marner and Noah Hannafin and those guys were drafted in. But, you know, Dylan Strom, to me, is a really intriguing guy. Clayton Keller, he's going to get better. Ekman Larson, name the captain. You know, things are definitely trending up for the Coyotes. And, you know, I'm excited to see what they do. They're going to be a fun team to watch I this season. I think they'll be in the playoff picture. They'll, they'll be there. I, I hesitate to say they will. I think they have a shot for sure. I think they definitely have a shot. Much like the Sabres, they could be a dark horse playoff team. I'll agree with you on that. All right, well, we'll agree on that. And I, I do think the Coyotes... It's going to be a much better year for them. I think people will start taking notice of the Arizona Coyotes this year. Hopefully the locals start taking notice of them too because obviously attendance has been an issue in the desert for a long time and nothing helps draw people to a sporting event like winning. Winning, you could offer the most amazing stadium experience but at the end of the day, winning is what brings people into your building. 
All right, moving on. Now, here's where we had kind of a cluster of teams that are, in our opinion, pretty similar. Really, between here and top 10, we really... It was tough. Yeah, it really I mean, it, it, a lot of these teams are really close to each other. So if your team is lower than others, don't don't feel too bad because we, we could easily move all these teams around mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. be justified doing it. Mm-hmm. So our next team coming up is New Jersey Devils. And you mentioned how the Arizona Coyotes are kind of like the Buffalo Sabres of the West. You could almost say that it could be the New Jersey Devils of the West with the youth movement. Not as much, but you could make the comparisons. Yeah. Um, I think there's still questions in goal. Oh, yeah. We don't know what to expect from Corey Schneider. It was great that he was you know, back for the playoffs. He played pretty well, all things considered. But it sounds like Kincaid will get that opening night start because A, Schneider's injured, and B, you know, Kincaid is kind of the more reliable guy at this point. But, I mean, you have to remember, Keith Kincaid had a career year last year. He did. And, you know, he was fantastic, but nobody was expecting that out of Keith Kincaid. And we've talked about this before. Nico Heeshear will get better. Um, I like the Devils team. But I I just have questions about, you know, it's kind of one of those teams where I just question the bottom six a little bit. Um, You know, I think the top six is pretty good and it's getting better. But um, I'm not sure. I, I do think they're right in the race for a playoff spot again because they're still a good team. They're well coached. Um, I do believe one of Schneider... Or Kincaid will have a good year. I don't know if it'll be as spectacular as Kincaid had last year, but it will still be good. And, I mean, I think they fully expect to be completing, competing for a playoff spot. Yeah, they do. And I think that uh, we got to mention Taylor Hall. And oh, of course. <laughs> he's he's the engine that makes the Devils go. And I, I got to say, n- not taking anything away from guys like Heischer, but... Hall is the engine that mo- makes the Devils go, and he'll, he'll, he as far as Hall can go, that's as far as the Devils will go, in my opinion. At least for right now, Hall, the Devils will go as far as Hall can take them. And there's a reason why Hall was so good last year. He he's just incredible. He is probably a top hockey, fifteen player in his, the NHL. His hockey IQ is incredible. It has an amazing shot, great speed. And he's one of those guys that makes players yeah, around him better. Exactly. And not many players can do that. It it, it really is it what's ma- it it is what makes him special. And I think he's gonna have another great year. And boy, if you're in Edmonton right now, imagine uh, Paul and David. Or you know what's even worse? Ottawa. Ottawa could have traded Cody Cece, and I'm pretty sure I brought this up before. Oh, Cody yeah. Cece for Taylor Hall, and I think it was Cody Cece in a first for Taylor Hall. In oh, hindsight, man. in hindsight, Oof. you take that all That's day. That's rough. And yeah. Just and you want, and there's a reason why that didn't go through. Because Brian Murray, smart, incredible guy, he, a very very smart man, and there's a reason why he had so much respect about around the NHL, and. He, he knew he was going to get away with highway robbery. And unfortunately for him, 
Eugene Melnick has to sign off on all the trades. And I was going to bring it up when we got to the Carlson deal. I guarantee you that was not the best offer Dorian got. I bet Dorian was going to take a better deal. And he went up to Melnick. And we won't know for sure. We, know, we do know for the Hall deal that that was a fact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it wouldn't surprise me. You want no, to... no, it really wouldn't. But let's keep going Yeah, here. let's get some more positive um, energy. In and here. we have a cat sighting <laughs> <laughs> hey, at number sh- 15. And Matt and I are, are big fans of the Florida Panthers. Oh, yeah. And I got to say, that does the, the cat almost looks like your cat, Charlie, does he? A little a bit. A little orange, A right? little bit. <laughs> <laughs> or Oscar. <laughs> My Oscar, cat. yeah. Yeah, my yeah. orange cat, Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> but unlike Oscar, these, uh, these cats really have some bite. And uh, you and I are both huge fans <laughs> of what the Florida Panthers are doing. I, I think you and I are both expecting them to be in that playoff hunt. They should be, no, no question. And remember, much like the Coyotes, they had an excellent second half. It was just the um, first half that held them back. The first half was not so great. But remember... New coach, new system, a lot of new players. It's understandable it took them a while uh, to get their kind of feet under themselves. But if you look at the way they played in that second half, they were beating some really good teams. And with the addition of Hoffman, it looks like Evgeny Dadunov, even though they lost Marcheseau, Dadunov has been just as good. He picked up the pace. He really yeah. did. He, he said, well, you know, that Marcheseau kid's gone. But here I am. I'll pick it up. I'll pick up the he slack was, for him. He was impressive. And, yeah. of course, Hoffman's coming in, and that'll be a big boost. As an Ottawa native, I've watched Mike Hoffman play a lot, and he, he's got an excellent shot from the circle. He's a, And Aaron Ekblad. Oh, Aaron Ekblad just has to stay healthy. He has to – if he can stay healthy, he is a safe bet for 40 to 50 points or more. And, and he's had a lot of trouble staying healthy, but – you know, I believe that uh, he's going to have a nice year this year. And, hey, you know, speaking of fantasy, if you can get Aaron Eckblad late in your draft, get him. Well, we'll see what you and I pick in our fantasy draft. That is coming up. We are trying we're really- to roll through this, guys. We've got a lot of teams to go through. So, so the, next up. The Columbus Blue Jackets or the Tortorellas. <laughs> 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 the real question for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Panarin. And Bobrovsky. Yeah. Both guys have not shown any sign of wanting to sign long-term. I think Panarin has already made up his mind that he's leaving, whether it's at the trade deadline or after. I'm pretty sure he's going to end up in the Sunshine State. I really (laughs) I hope not. I don't know how they would make that work. They would have to offload. I guess they could make it work if they offloaded some contracts, but it'll be tough. It'll be tough, especially without Steve Eisman in charge. Mm, it will, but a lot of, at least a lot of the rumors we've seen have pointed towards Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And you and I were saying before, yesterday when we were making these rankings, that would be unfair. It would be unfair. The top line would be Stamkos, Kucherov, and Panarin. <laughs> Stop, please. <laughs> Come on. Give other teams a chance. Now, the other one that scared us both when we were talking about it is him to the San Jose oh, Sharks. Can I you imagine? That, I think that's even worse. That might be even worse. You've got... That's basically a Golden State Warriors. Like Kutcher, Pavelski, Me. and Panarin? And then your you second got, line is Kane, 
Well, you got Thornton. Thornton, uh, like I mean, it's it's an and embarrassment then, of riches. And then you have Carlson and Burns, Burns and Vlasic on defense, and Martin Jones in goal. Man, and and, and the 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 crazy thing about the Sharks is they they're the, that good, and they still have a bunch of cap space. That's the, be very afraid of the Sharks, people. We've got them coming up. I, and the thing is, is that as an, as a Senators fan, I've learned not to trust the Sharks. They fleece they've fleeced us twice <laughs> in one off season. But yeah, you gotta give credit to. We'll get on the Sharks, but... But let's sum up Columbus here. I mean, they should... They're good enough to compete for a playoff spot. I think Dubois is going to improve. He was very good last year uh, for Columbus. I I don't know what I expect from the rest of the top six. To me, Alex... Alexander Venberg is a bit of a question mark. We know how good he can be when he stays healthy. He has been very inconsistent since having a big season for them. Boone Jenner is an overpaid top six forward who can maybe get you 20 goals, and he throws the body a lot. We, um, he loves throwing the body, that's for sure. I mean, I just... He's a big guy. I don't know. For what I have a lot of questions about the Columbus top six. And... Uh, Atkinson, like... And considering Panera, both Panarin and Bobrovsky may be gone this as soon as this season... I mean, if they lose Panarin and Bobrovsky, they're going full rebuild. Oh, yeah. And we know for years they have tried to emulate the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they just haven't been able to. It's it's as simple as that. I mean, first of all, they haven't had a Crosby or a Malkin. Like Panarin and I guess Rick Nash and his prime are probably the best players they've had. And, you know, (laughs) Nash is long gone. It sounds like Panarin is on his way out too. But, yeah, that's Columbus. And now – now we're getting into the real the real good teams, I think. The teams that we feel are kind of upper echelon. So, coming in at 13, the Anaheim Ducks. Well, the Anaheim Ducks, mostly the same group coming back this year. But the one big thing, before we get into the positives, the one big news out of Anaheim recently is that Harry's going to be out long term. And that that that's not good for the Anaheim Ducks at all. Uh, based on how he's played the last few years and the good young players coming up like Sam Steele and Comtois, I think they can handle it. I think so too, but it still is a big loss for Anaheim. It is a loss, yes. It is, I agree. And, but you're right, they've got a lot of young guys coming up. you got guys like Steele coming up. And the Ducks last year, they I think they would have made it made it farther in the playoffs. But really, injuries are what really hurt them last year. Because they, yeah. by the time Gibson, they... Gibson needs yeah. to stay healthy. He's he's outstanding when he's healthy. He's he's kind of like a... He, he's similar to Jonathan Quick. He plays that well. He's that athletic. And when he's but healthy, when he's making 45-plus saves every game, it's he's going to, to get hurt. It's, it's as simple as that. So they need to help him out. Um, but you know, that, that is a guy who, when he's on, he can win the Vesna. That's how good John Gibson is. He's, he's a franchise goaltender and the rest of the ducks lineup. It looks pretty good. I mean, you look at Adam Henrique, he was fantastic since they acquired him. Both of us are huge fans of Ricard Raquel 
We think he's one of the better players well, in the league. You and I were raving about him all last yeah. year, and there's a good reason to, for yeah. that. Again, guys, in your fantasy leagues, that's Raquel, a guy you want. He's super underrated. Sleeper pick. Yeah. He's one of those picks that you'll get late in your fantasy and draft. And Getzlaff always gives yeah. you production. Um, Silverberg, I think, I like, is a good bet for a bounce I, back. I, always like I don't know what's happened to him the last couple of years. He's but been struggling. He could – He. But we know what he can bring to the table when yeah. when he's producing. He, he'll And I'm excited to see the young guys like yeah. Steele and Comtois and they just claimed Pontus Alberg from those uh Edmonton Oilers that we love to talk about. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean Anaheim look I think they'll be in playoffs. I think they should be. And you know, we had one team ahead of them, but I'm not I'm not sure we should have, but anyway, let's let's head up to number twelve. We got the Penguinos. <laughs> yeah. Or commonly known as the Pittsburgh Penguins. And and now that you and I are looking at it, both you and I are kinda in agreement that the Penguins maybe should have been lower. And that's one of those things and I, I both I think both you and I agree. We were gonna have one team that when we got to it, we both kinda look at each other and thought it's tough because yeah. because you, you first of all they still have Crosby and Malkin and they've built and they still have Kessel and they still have Matt Murray and I we know Matt Murray had his struggles last year in the playoffs but up until that point he's been absolutely lights out in his career and I have a hard time believing that he didn't spend all summer training and glove. focusing on that upper glove hand and. I don't know. Can you imagine if Matt Murray comes back and is in this like form where the next time he plays the Capitals, he saves like 40 shots and they shoot glove high maybe 10, 15 times and he's just robbing them with the glove? I mean, really, as a goaltender, that's his only weakness. And they they exploited that. Once the Capitals noticed that, they were But every... if he can if he can refine that part of his game, I mean, this guy is a brick wall in that Matty Murray. Yeah, he is and it, Matt Murray is is one of those players that once he figures something, once he figures it out, he is a very solid goaltender and the Penguins are going to need him to be solid this year cuz really the Pittsburgh defense is not that good. And you and I were talking yesterday about the Leafs defense and it it took me a while to think about it. I slept on it. And, and we come back here, and you're right. The, the Penguins' defense is not that much better than the Leafs. In fact, you could say the Leafs is better. Well, but, at this point it is. Yeah, at but, this point it is. But like what I was saying is when they went on those Stanley Cup runs, really they didn't really have a great defense. And, yes, they have added Jack Johnson, but Jack Johnson's nothing special. He's a top 60 man. That's just, It's as simple as that, you know. Um, I think the big question is Latang. Yeah. What? Which Chris Latang do we see? Do we see the Chris Latang that's, you know, uh, willing to make plays and yeah, he's exciting and he's fast, or do we see the Chris Latang that we saw in the playoffs, who basically was not a non-factor, but he was making turnovers and he was struggling defensively. And he just wasn't as dynamic as as he's been. But, you know, when Chris Letang is on, he is one of the best defensemen in the league. I just I don't I don't know if we'll see that. And one I player, would bet on a lot of other defensemen other than Chris Letang to have a nice year. One player we didn't see last we didn't see much of during the stretch run last year and in the playoffs was Derek Broussard. 
And mm-hmm. the Penguins gave up a fair bit for him. They gave up a first. Yeah. And they gave up Gustafson. Yeah. And, of course, goalie prospects are always very street hard Head to mess. read. Head and mess, yeah. But at the same time, they still they, – they were hoping that Derek Broussard would come in. And he's always been known as one of those big, big game players, right? He's one of those big guys. Big game brass. Yeah, exactly. He – we we saw it in New York. We saw it in Ottawa. He shines under the big the on the biggest stage, and we didn't see it last year. And he struggled in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the Penguins are gonna they, since they paid a lot for him, and he's gonna be one of their top centers. They're gonna expect more from him this year. I agree, and I guess the other I think he's kind of a wild card at this point. Is, is what do we get from Jake Gensel? That's a that's a because he was. Up outstanding in the playoffs but he was nowhere to be seen practically until the second half of the season for the penguins and if they want to be where we have them which is contending for one of those final playoff spots they need gensel to be good and they really do they really do gensel needs to be more than just a playoff performer and i know there's guys out there that playoffs are their time to shine Guys like Gensel and Paggio and Broussard, those are their, the playoffs are their stage. But if you talk to hockey coaches, they want you to perform for 82 games plus playoffs. Yeah. And Gensel, especially with the Penguins in the state that they are now, they need him to perform. They do. And remember, they traded Connor Sherry to Buffalo, so he's gone now. I mean, like, at some point... They thought about trading Kessel, but I think they just couldn't get anybody to take his contract. He's got a big contract. and He does. Um, you know, the, the Penguins at this point, they are what they are. I think the season rests on two things for them. How good is Matt Murray? And how good is the production from the second line and the defense, in my opinion? Because we know how good Crosby is. We know how good Malkin is. Kessel's great. How good is Jake Gensel? How good are those complimentary players? You mentioned Broussard, you know. Um, and how how does the defense hold up? Because it's not a great defense. No, it isn't. And they're, they're in that Blackhawks situation where they're strapped for cash. They don't have a lot of free money. Yeah, they are. They're, they've won their cups. They've mm-hmm. been their dynasty, and now it's – but, you know, the the reason we put them there is because they still have two of the best players in the world and they still have guys... Who can produce. Who can produce and, you know, they have Murray, etc. So we have to respect that. So that's why we've got them up there. But now it gets even more interesting. And it gets even more, a little... Especially if you're a Penguins fan because... Right in front of the Pittsburgh Penguins, we think this is a new... T- this is going to be the new... Pennsylvania Power, and it's going to be the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, both of us are very high on the Flyers. We were really impressed um, last year in the playoffs when they played the Penguins, and they somehow lost. But, I mean, how about Sean Couturier playing through an injury that I think pretty much any athlete in any sport wouldn't even consider suiting up for it. Like. And he went out there and he, he played Five well. Five points. It was it to me that was one of the more incredible. And if he's doing that with that performances, injury, if he's doing that with that type of injury, 
he just, has wait. he has reached his I think he has reached his prime now and he is fun to watch. He's like a like a mix of a Patrice Bergeron, but he's got that dynamic offensive ability that made him a first round pick. Yeah, and of course well, you and I have raved about the Flyers defense for the past mm-hmm. year and a bit. Mm-hmm. And we still have good reason to rave about it. The Flyers Provorov and Gostaspier oh, yeah. are and a guy, guys, again, if you're in fantasy, try and get one of those guys. Those guys are dynamite. Oh, yeah. And, and the offense is good. Of course, as always, it comes back to the goaltending. Right. Well, I feel a little bit better about the goaltending now, now that they've got Pickard. Yeah. Um, And the forward group is very good. Their, their top, I guess, 12, if you want to call it that, is very good. You know, when you have... On the second line, Nolan Patrick with JVR. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you've pretty got, good. <laughs> and you've got guys like Travis Konechny, who you, yeah. who you know are fast and yeah. can put up points. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what this Flyers team can do. I, Me too. They've been building for a while. Yeah. And they've been drafting smart. They've been making smart signings, smart trades. The only thing that's going to hold them back is goaltending. But I'm... As you said, I'm more comfortable with the Flyers' goaltending situation this year than I have been in past years. Okay, I'm going to throw out a little scenario sure. at you here. <laughs> <laughs> Sergei Bobrovsky is an impending free agent. Ooh. Sergei Bobrovsky once played for those Flyers. Would it make a lot of sense for them to go after him, or do you think they're content on waiting for Carter Hart? This is a real tough Question to answer because, as I mentioned with Gustafson, goaltenders can always be hit or miss. And I'm not going to say Hart, Hart is going to be a miss because we he's got all the makings of an elite goaltender. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that Philly, I wouldn't go after Bob Rosky if he's asking for a lot of money. Well, I mean, he's a free agent and he's got a great track record as a elite goaltender in the NHL. Well, yeah, and I get the argument for Bob Rosky. I totally do. And if it wasn't a guy like Hart, I probably would say, you go sign Bobrovsky. Yeah. And I guess it also depends on what Hart does this year, too. If he has a real good year, then you, you, you probably don't go and sign Bobrovsky. But if, you, if he doesn't have a good year, mm-hmm. then you're more likely to go sign him. And Yeah, because remember, they're, they're contending now. Like They can wait for Carter Hart, but I think they want something in place that's better than what they have. And they, they haven't really been able to find that. I think they probably had an opportunity to get you know, Mike Smith, but is Mike Smith that much better than Brian Elliott and Calvin Pickard? I don't think so. No. He's just so, a bit more consistent. Right. And remember, he's older too. So I do think that that's something to watch. I don't know if it will happen. But to me, even if they have Elliott and Pickard, they're still ahead of the Penguins, and they could potentially be even better. And this is a team with, I mean, like if all goes well, they could be in the running for the President's Trophy even. And I mean, let's not forget, Brian Elliott has shown – Lots of flashes of brilliance over the years. He He's not a bad goaltender by any stretch. It's just consistency that's hurt him. Now, for all the positives that the Philadelphia Flyers have done recently, I think well, we have to bring up Gritty. We're not going to leave the Flyers. The Flyers fans, we're not going to leave you off scot-free th- scot with a Gritty 
Now we will we will say this. This has been the most incredible debut for any mascot in sports history that I can remember. I mean, you either loved him or you hated him. And I'm terrified personally. It seems like he's here to stay. So we're going to play you guys a little gritty video right here. That is gritty, who had quite an introduction the other night. Seven feet tall, yes. Googly eyes, they say. A squeaky belly button. Haven't been able to see that yet. And he can blow smoke out of his ears. Got to see the squeaky belly button. And there he is. And he was given to some Ranger fans earlier. He gave him a popcorn bath. Been a busy day for Gritty. A little business trip to New York. Lady Liberty outside the window of the helicopter. Just got the license. He doesn't mind stirring the pot. And he'll be on the Tonight Show tonight. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon. He's everywhere, isn't he? He's the best. He's everywhere. Jimmy Fallon loves him. Look at him. Taking to the physical play right away, as you'd always expect in Philadelphia. The Flyers mascot named Gritty. Knocking people over here in Philly. Rangers up by a couple here. Gritty trying to get the team fired up. And the, of course, that was Gritty. Gritty, and I know Mac is terrified of him, but I think he's the most genius thing the Flyers have ever done. Everyone's talking about him, and that's what I think they wanted. But let's move on. We've got the LA Kings at our next spot here. And. What's not to like about the LA Kings? Came into the playoffs last year, had a real good series against the Vegas Golden Knights. They just couldn't score. Yeah, and, and they addressed that in the offseason with uh, Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, and the return Kovalchuk goes to Hollywood. And uh, we just we just saw a tweet from Lisa Dillman of the Athletic who said he's paired with Kopitar on that top line. So oh boy, watch out! I mean. Even if he's not the same Kobe as we're used to seeing, if he plays with Kopitar, I, I he's gonna get. I one. think he's going to get thirty goals. I just, I think it's almost a sure thing. And you and I have talked about how good the Kings' defense is. It's one of the best in the league. Yeah, and just as a team, they play great overall team defense. Have a great system, and they all stick to it. I mean, we would bore you with how much we like the Kings because they're just a, they're just a darn good team, and they there's are. no reason they won't be in the playoffs, in our opinion. No, there's no reason why there won't be. So let's move on. Up next, Colorado. And both of us are huge fans of Colorado. And we think that the Grubauer trade is going to really work out for them. Now, having said that, Grubauer and Varlamov are rumored to be splitting time to start the season. So my question to you is, do you expect that to continue? Maybe they just prefer to have like a split situation. Like remember when it was Price and Halak? Yeah, I don't know if it'll continue. It's one of those situations that can't doesn't always continue long term. I you very rarely see it continue long term. I would look at what happened with Schneider and Luongo in Vancouver. It doesn't. It's good short term, good for a season or two, but you know goaltenders they always they always want to be. Starting right, especially if you're if you have two real good goaltenders, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it can't work here. It's also a matter of how good are they. If they're both lights out, then then right. it gets right. tricky. If one's 
really good. Let's say Grubauer is really good and Varlamov is solid, right? Because remember, Grubauer has not started full-time yet. No, he hasn't. And that's a big step to take for a goalie. And teams find out very quickly if if goalies can cut it as a starter or not. And I think in the next two years, he'll have his shot and we'll find out if he's a starter. I think he's a starter, but... It's possible he's not. I mean, it's 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 turned difficult to be a starter in the NHL with the amount of games you play. And really, we would bore you with how much we like Colorado because they only have a few problems, and they're good problems to have. Number one, where's their pick from Ottawa going to be? Oh, be quiet. <laughs> Number two, how good are the young guys like Tyson Yost going to be? And I don't know, like... Other than that, they're they're looking good. Now, if we're talking about the pick from Ottawa, we've you had to bring it up. I had to, okay? <laughs> I know. It's part of the team. I know, I know. I didn't want to. But the way I see it is the only reason I'm glad we don't have that pick is it's extra motivation for the guys. If you're Pierre Dorian, you're going down there, and you're kind of going, hey, hey, win some games so I don't look like a fool. But it really, if you're a Colorado fan, you're thrilled to have that pick. You've got some amazing players, both on the forward group and the defensive group. And having two solid goalies is not a bad problem to have at all. So as you said, Mac, you and I could bore you with how much we like Colorado. And next up, we've got the Cinderella story coming back potentially for round two. It's the Vegas Gold Knights. And... You and I have talked a lot about Vegas over the offseason. We talked about them a lot during our offseason shows and our draft show and our final show, of course. And the real question is, could Vegas do it again? And I don't think so. I don't think they'll go to the finals again, I, but I expect them in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, you could make an argument that they are better than they were. You very well could. Because they have Pacioretty now, and they signed Paul Stastny. Like, I do think they're a better team than they Although the Nate Schmidt suspension is going to hurt them for the first 25 games. Yeah, it will. Yeah. But Vegas, I, I don't see any reason why they won't be in the same situation they were last year. And they could very well make another run to the finals. There's no, there's not much holding them back. Yeah. And they, there's a few teams up on the list that may have something to say about Vegas in the finals round too. But no, but I mean, we we will say that it does it does mean they need you know similar production from Carlson and Fleury and all these guys. Shea Theodore now has big expectations on him after that huge contract extension, and I mean. I think Alex Tuck will continue to improve. I love the Paul Stastny signing. The Pacioretty trade makes a lot of sense. He could be extremely good for Vegas. I mean, what if he plays with Carlson on that top line? That's pretty good. And it's a change of scenery that Pacioretty really needed. Yeah, he really needed it. And you and I talked about him. And Pacioretty is one of those guys that can get you 20 goals easily. And uh, he could stretch for 30 if everything goes right. Pacioretty is a great scorer. He's got some great speed. He's got great hockey IQ. I think he'll fit in really well with Vegas. Yeah, so Vegas is definitely a contender, and they're definitely in our top 10, and they deserve to be. Let's be honest. They're not. This is not a mirage, people. They're, they're good. How good are they? We don't know yet, 
but we we have a strong suspicion they're going to be a playoff team again. How far they go, we don't think they're going to the Stanley Cup final, mainly because the teams in front of them are pretty darn good as well. Well, there's some teams coming up on this list that just incredible. All right, well, the heavyweights we've already started to get into. So the big, bad Boston Bruins coming in at number seven, Matt. Well, yeah, the Boston Bruins coming back after last year falling to the Tampa Bay Lightning in round two. Obviously, taking out a certain team that broke your heart, Mac. And the Boston Bruins, I think, are pretty much the same as last year. I think they're even better. You're going to get McAvoy's got another year of experience under his belt. You've got some guys coming up who will really make an impact right away. Of course, what my real question for the Boston Bruins isn't whether their young guys can perform or Rask can perform, guys like that. My real question is, will Brad Marchand grow up and stop licking people? It's a, it, that is the million-dollar question, and we've been talking about it all season. Will he just smarten up and play because he's a darn good player and he's not a rat anymore? He doesn't have to be a rat. I'm sure you're in agreement with me that you and I don't have that many doubts about the new players the Boston Bruins are bringing in this season. Oh, and the thing about the Bruins is they as as much as they have talent on that first line, they've got some really intriguing guys coming up like Ryan Donato, Danton Heinen, Jake DeBrusque had a nice playoffs and a nice year last year. He's He's really good, I think. I know some teams were after him as – Boston looked for help elsewhere, but he was a non-starter for them. They they are really big fans of him. And, of course, Charlie McAvoy. I mean, that big year is coming soon, and it could be this year. When you know I'm a big fan of Charlie McAvoy, and I think that one of the future battles will be between Thomas Shabbat and Charlie McAvoy because they're, they're completely different types of players, but they're also very similar in a lot of ways. And I think both... Both of those guys are going to have big years coming up, especially Charlie McAvoy. He's on a real good Boston Bruins team. And I don't see any reason why Boston won't be in the playoffs this year. All right, continuing in that Atlantic division, the Tampa Bay Lightning coming in at number six. Now, Tampa Bay Lightning in at number six was one of those. This was this is where it got really hard to make our rankings because all these teams – are really, really good, right? Once we got into the top five, top five, six, we really had to think about this. But Tampa Bay Lightning coming back with pretty much the same roster as last year, and that's not a bad thing at all. You've got, of course, you got Sam Coase, you've got Kucherov. Those two alone are enough to strike fear into the hearts of your opponent. And I don't see any reason why either one of those two will have a drop-off this year. And I think it's going to be another good year for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Vasilevsky will have another good year. I don't see any reason why the Lightning won't be in contention to win the Atlantic this year. Absolutely. And, I mean, there's not much else to say. I mean, you guys know what they are. They're a very good team. They're built to win now. Will they win? That's the question. Matt and I don't feel like they will, but no, maybe you, they'll prove us wrong. You, you and I always have had some questions on the defense. All right. Well, this is very exciting. Coming in at number five with John Tavares in the picture and one of the best 
top nines in the league, the you've Toronto been, Maple Leafs. You've been waiting all show to talk about your Maple all Leafs. All my life to talk about the Maple Leafs like I am right now. Seriously, guys. I I haven't seen a team this good in my lifetime as a Maple Leaf fan. So, and there's not much else to say. Yes, there's question marks with the defense. You guys know that, but... I want to get your thoughts on Nylander, though, because you you and I, obviously, mm. we could rave about how good the offense is going to be with John Tavares and Austin. Well, Nylander... But I want to know Nylander. That's a great question, because I think one of two things is happening. One, he he wants a long-term deal, and he's willing to wait for it. Number two, there's the other side of camp that's talking to him, you know, maybe the other players that are saying, hey, you're missing, you know, training camp. You're missing. He still hasn't signed yet. And, what, like, when he comes back, he's not going to be ready to play right away. He's going to need practices and stuff like that. He's going to need to pass all of his tests. So I don't understand why he's waiting so long. And at this point. And he's. I think he's being greedy. I agree. And at this point in his career, he's still very young. You know, take five, six exactly. million and sign already. Sign like, a couple years. You're not getting seven million. You're not better than Pasternak. Like, and other than that one really good season he had, he has not proven he's worth seven million dollars. No, and the thing with Nylander is he's young enough and the Leafs are smart, they want him on a bridge deal, right? Give him Solid money for a couple years. We'll Either see. a bridge deal or something long-term that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think they would prefer long-term, so that's why the wait is on, because they both want long-term, it seems like. And I gotta, But they're about a million off, is what I've heard. Before we get into our top five, quickly, uh, the rest of our top four, I want to bring up a conversation you and I had over Cokes yesterday at <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> and sometimes Mac and I, we, we just get on to random hockey topics. And this was something you said you wanted to bring up on the show. And it's offer sheeting. And Yes. And I, I was jo- you and I were joking about offer sheetings. I'm like, and I said, the Sens have enough cap space. We, we, could, we could do it. If, if we're going to suck, we might as well <laughs> bring down the Leafs a little with us. And I said, we could offer... Nylander something ridiculous on an offer sheet. They yeah they could and we were talking about this yesterday like you said and it really doesn't happen much anymore and it used to remember Shea Weber was offered an offer sheet you know a few years back by the Philadelphia Flyers and Nashville eventually matched that offer and eventually traded him for PK Subban but. I mean, there was Thomas Vanek when he was really in his prime. He had an offer sheet. But it just – I'm a little surprised it doesn't happen more. It just seems like all the GMs have a mutual respect for each other Wait. unless they're trying to trape each other. Although you and I were kind of in agreement. <laughs> because the respect is there until you get on the phone with them and they're trying to make a deal like Doug Wilson did with uh, Ottawa. Yeah, oh yeah. But if you're – if you're a, a GM, and I know there's a certain amount of respect you have to have for your colleagues as a general manager, but at the same time, if if a guy like Nylander is up on the market and you can offer sheet him, right, why not give it a shot, right? Sure, you have to give up compensation, but at the same time, yeah, it, there's I mean, nothing I, against it. Exactly, and I I think it might happen – Maybe in a year or two. I I really think teams will start to realize that 
It's not the worst thing in the world. They have every right to do it as long as you have the cap space. I mean, how is it any different than poaching the Chicago Blackhawks into getting Teravainen and a first and Bickle <laughs> for cap <Yeah. laughs> for cap relief? Really? I mean, like, it's not that much different than that. They basically got, well, two players that are a big part of their future because they used that first on somebody else. And, you know, Teravainen is a very good top six forward. So we'll see what happens with that. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm I'm getting a little worried, but at the same time, it's great for Tyler Ennis. He gets to play with Austin Matthews. <laughs> now, it's pretty good. Th- this next team, as much as the Toronto Maple Leafs adding John Tavares will scare a lot of the league, I think adding Eric Carlson to the San Jose Sharks and basically giving up no key roster players or any of your major picks and prospects is incredible by Doug Wilson. Yeah, I, he I don't know. I don't know how he does it, dude. That was well, crazy. And I, I heard it, and I thought the tweet was fake. I thought it was fake. I, I, I read the tweet, and I thought, that's it? That, that's all? And, the, and there was a little thing at the end saying, more to come, and I thought, okay. Well, we, you know, we may not get the most <laughs> out of this, but... We were in promotions class when that happened. Oh, yeah. And I remember you and Primo were just. We were just. I mean, that's shocked. tough, man. Yeah. Like, it's, the worst part is, quickly before we talk, we get to rave about how good San Jose will be, mm. is that Vera Dorian, all up leading up to this trade, he was saying, "I'm going to get you the best return. This is going to stay. People are going to look back on this trade like the Alexi Yashin trade." basically is what he was saying right he's saying look we're gonna fleece whoever it is sure we're giving up eric carlson but we're gonna get we're gonna go to like vegas and we're gonna get suzuki and glass and a first or we're gonna go to san jose and we're gonna get meyer and hurdle in a first that's what he made it out to be and it was very underwhelming the return i do like tierney coming back and i don't mind josh norris but no guaranteed first for a couple of years. At the very least, you should have gone next year's for first. Yeah. Or, yeah, I'm with you. I'm and, with you on that one. But anyways, enough. Of, I could rant about that trade for the two hours, but you don't have that type of time. So let's talk quickly about how great San Jose will be. I mean, basically, they're the same team they were, except now they have Evander Kane signed long-term, Logan Couture signed long-term, and Eric Carlson playing with Mark Edward Vlasic, which might be the best deep pair in the league. Oh, yeah, and the scary part is is that San Jose has a cap to sign Carlson to a long-term deal. Oh, man. And they probably still, after that, would have some cap space to bring in another player. They are just such a well-managed team. They really are. They are. Um, and you've got, not only do you have those proven guys, but you have younger guys like Thomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, who are improving year after year. So... We are huge fans of the San Jose Sharks coming in at number four. So we got three teams left, and then we're going to do our fantasy picks. So our top three. Oh, and here's the thing. We had a tough thing, a tough decision with these top three. Yeah. We yeah. really did. Well, number one, we kind of both agreed on right away. Mm-hmm. But two and three, were we could flip them either way. So coming in at number three, the bronze medal position Nashville Predators. Yeah. And 
just like Colorado, San Jose, Vegas, Toronto, we could go on and on about how good the Nashville Predators are. Yeah, I mean, you guys know and we all know how good they are. And I think the reason that they struggled in the playoffs last year, sorry, Rene struggled in the playoffs last year was because he was tired. I think it's as simple as that. I think UC Saros has proven he's a reliable backup. I think they'll use him more. And he's he's the heir apparent. When Rene is, you know, past his prime, he has defied age for a few years now, Pekka Rene. Saros is the guy that they're going to turn to, and he's he's a talent. He's really good. So, and I guess the other question is, how many points does Philip Forsberg have? Is this Philip Forsberg's year where he turns from a star into a superstar? Because it might be. It might be. And if you're natural, you're you know he's going to have that year one year, and he's going to just come on the scene. Everyone's going to talk about how great Forsberg will be. And everyone knows how gritty he is now, but once he has that year, and I think it's just a matter of time, everyone's going to say, what a great player for Nashville. And Nashville is going to be a good team this year. All right. There's two teams left. All right. Well, yeah, number two. And this was a tough decision for us because we could have easily put them in. We could have put them in a number one because they are the Stanley Cup champions. A lot of people are putting them in at number one because of the cup. And but they, they're justified at that. But we're gonna the, keep them at number two because hey, the team in front of them is. They just, still have Ovechkin. Kuznetsov sounds like he's their number one center now. Carlson's back. Yeah, they re-signed John Carlson. It's it's a pretty similar team. Of course, they don't have Grubauer anymore. It'll be interesting to see how the backup plays for them. They're going to rely more on Braden Holtby, but for now. They're still a really good team, and Alex Ovechkin is as good as he ever was. So we've got the Washington Capitals at number two, and now finally, number one. You guys probably guessed it by now, the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, boy, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, well, what's not to love about the Winnipeg Jets? Just perfection it is it really is a testament to the incredible team building and drafting and developing and smart signings of the front office i mean kevin shavel dayoff and his staff have really done an incredible job because i mean you look at most of their team and they have drafted or traded for pretty much the entire roster which is incredible and when you have a guy like nikolai ehlers on top of Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Patrick Laine, Kyle Connor, and the list goes on and on. That just gives you an idea of how good the Winnipeg Jets are. And I think I've, I don't know about you, but I fully expect Connor Hellbuck to be once again in contention for the Vesna. Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll be in contention for the Vesna. With that team in front of him, how could he not be? And the other thing is you've got. Guys like Josh Morrissey and Jacob Truba signing on long-term with reasonable contracts because they're buying in to what the Jets are doing and they want to help them win a cup. I was really impressed by that because for guys like that, usually it's the other way around. Usually the superstar takes the discount. But this time it was star defensemen that a lot of teams would love to have, and they took way less than what they were worth because they want to win a championship with this Winnipeg team. Oh, yeah, and 
this Winnipeg team is primed to win a Stanley Cup this year or next year. This is their window, their next three, four years. And Winnipeg could have easily made it to the final last year. They just ran into the brick wall known as Marc-Andre Fleury. And yeah, yeah. That's really what they ran into last year. And they, you could tell they were out of gas by the time they got to the conference finals because a lot of those guys, first conference finals, first extended playoff run, they were out of gas. And yeah. this year they've got another year of experience under their belt. They've got playoff experience under their belt. What I'm excited to see is the first matchup between San Jose and Winnipeg. Oh, I, man. I know Nashville and Winnipeg is going to be good this year. But I'm telling you, San Jose and Winnipeg is going to be... It might be better. I yeah. think it will be. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun. All right. So that wraps up the power rankings. We know it took a long time. Now what we're going to do, instead of doing a full fantasy draft, Matt and I are going to tell you 15 players we want in our fantasy drafts this season. Coming right up. All right. So Matt's going to go first. So my first few picks were very obvious. And this is generally how I do my fantasy draft. I start with the obvious players. As you go along, you got to start thinking a bit more strategically, right? So first off, Obviously, I've got McDavid, but I don't need to go on about why McDavid should be number one. Then I got Kucherov. After that, I put in William Carlson. I think he will repeat his year. Then I put down Voracek. I got Brady Kachuk in. I think that if he sticks with all this year, he could have a real solid season, even if he doesn't win the Calder. After that, I've got Johnny Gaudreau. I've always loved Gaudreau. Always a, a lock for some solid points. P.K. Subban. I've got... I, got, I had to put a Leaf player in, so I put in John Tavares. He'll have a good year. I put Barzell in. After that, I've got Line, Hoffman. Kovalchuk was the one that I, was re- I wasn't sure about putting in. But I got to take a risk sometimes. I think he can come back on the scene and light up the NHL like he did w- before he left. After that, I've got my, my, my boy Mark Stone. And then to round things off, I've got... Brock Besser wanted to take a risk. Got to take a risk sometimes. And then I've got Svechnikov with the Hurricanes. All right. Nice. Nice picks. I like those. All right. So here's my 15. Ricard Raquel, Shane Gostaspear, Ivan Provorov, Miko Rantanen, William Carlson. I agree with you on that one. Darlene, uh Elias Pettersson, Barzil, Philip Forsberg, Jack Eichel, Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, Sean Couturier, Max Pacioretty, and Oliver ekman Larson. Those are very good picks. Some some we agree on, some we're different. It's good. And you really can't go wrong with hockey fantasy. There's lo- You're always going to find that one player who you think nothing of when you draft him, and then by the end of the season, you're thinking, what a steal. And you, you were saying Pacioretty was what, at one? Pacioretty is around 100 in the Yahoo ranks, and he's probably playing top line with Willie Carlson. Just saying, if you're about to do your fantasy draft, guys. I'd take Pacioretty. (laughs) But anyway, we got to go. It's been a long, it's been over two hours, but we've been dying to talk about hockey on the radio. Happy opening night tomorrow, guys. It's going to be fantastic. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at centericepod radio follow us on facebook at center ice pod find us on itunes under center ice hit the subscribe button if you like 
and also on SoundCloud under Center Ice. For Matt Maynard, I'm Mac Vincent. Enjoy the games.